Hello everybody, welcome to 1v1 Boss Rush Games Show celebrating our friends and their creativity. I am your host this week, Corey Derrick, and joining me is the awesome and very talented and amazing Celeste Roberts. Hey, how are you guys doing? How are you doing, Corey? I'm great. I'm great. This is uh, this is awesome. You know, I, I you were on our Nintendo show. You're kind of going to make semi-regular appearances when you can on that show, which is very exciting. But uh, for those who... Uh, don't listen to that show maybe listen to some of our other ones you are uh you do a lot of cool things uh you know you're a <laughs> you're a, a blog editor at another zelda podcast you are a technical writer which is you know kind of selfishly why i wanted to do this with you and uh <laughs> you know you do a lot of cool things and and i want to know about them so uh what just before we kind of get rolling here to tell people who you are what do you do what it what what does it mean to be a technical writer and what do you do over the zelda uh, another zelda podcast all right well uh, i graduated with an english degree my concentration is in creative writing and you can imagine the questions i got when i told people what i was majoring in uh, what are you going to do with that you know just really me <laughs> as someone who as someone who majored in art i got that question a lot so, so you understand <laughs> and they're both very useful they're just not as clear cut because the pathways are very open mm -hmm. you can do whatever you you want so before i became a technical writer i taught english in japan for 6 months actually oh, that's cool that's awesome <laughs> um I think that would be hard to do after you've been in a career for a little while. So that's something I wanted to do as soon as possible, early 20s, not too long after graduating. And I, I enjoyed that. It was probably the hardest job I've ever had because I taught different age groups. I'm talking from babies to adults. So one hour you're teaching fifth graders. Next hour you might be teaching a little toddler. So you have to switch gears. Yeah for that and then when I returned home I just started applying for anything I could find anything you can imagine and I applied at my current job they actually did not have a listing I I was just bold and I sent in applications to local companies and they saw my portfolio and they said oh we actually do need someone who can write our proposals and things and I've been with them for seven years that's that's awesome. Uh, I want to kind of revisit this Japan subject for a couple <laughs> minutes. Uh, how did you? I mean, what what made you want to go to Japan and teach English? Like, I have I have so many questions. I don't really know where to start. So, like, <laughs> what made you want to go to Japan to teach English? Uh, is that just something you kind of always kind of wanted to do? Is that just something that sounded interesting at the time? Like, how did you get well, to Japan from here? <laughs> Besides, <laughs> like a plane. No, <laughs> yeah, I swam. <laughs> I, I meant I was in the Olympics. Didn't you catch that in 2010? No, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got whiff of it from I don't know if it was a professor or a classmate that one of the English instructors had done that. So I sat with him in his office, and he just told me all about his experience. He actually met his wife over there, and I thought, oh, that's something I want to do after I graduate. So. I looked for application deadlines after I graduated in May 2011, just kept applying. There are different companies. There's also the JET program, which allows you to teach with the 
like the public schools over there. But what I ended up working for a company that's called an Akaiwa, where it's a secondary English school. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I'm not. Uh, please explain. Okay. I wanna... Okay. Get get, get as as nitty gritty <laughs> as you want to with this. I'm fascinated already. So my company offers supplementary English. So in addition to going to school during the day, the kids and, as I said, babies and adults, if they want to actually speak with a native English speaker, you can pay to attend classes and have lessons. So I did that for six months. I I just wanted to go. I was I was really determined. I mean, if it hadn't worked out, you know, you just deal with what you can and maybe keep applying to another company. But I lived in an apartment. I paid bills. I made friends. I got to go to Tokyo Disney. That was pretty cool. Disney Sea. That's awesome. Yeah. I, as, as someone who is a big fan of, of Disney World, we that was like our big family vacation every year when I was little. Uh, yeah. And I actually just, I actually just went back right before all this Corona stuff hit with my dad. We just took a trip, me and him down there, uh, and, and at the end of February and it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. But as somebody who's a huge fan of like Disney parks and Imagineering and stuff in general, uh, I've always heard that Disney sea is the best Disney theme park in the world. Like it just from a, just an imagineering standpoint from a, a construction standpoint and a just a technologically more advanced park than anything else so it it was beautiful it disney sea it kind of looked like a mediterranean style you probably looked up pictures mm-hmm. of it it kind of looks like a harbor town yeah and hearing mickey mouse speak japanese is adorable is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's amusing because I can't understand what he's saying. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a really good documentary on uh, Disney Plus, uh, the Imagineering story. Uh, it's it's six okay. or seven episodes. Uh, they they kind of just go through how you know they design the rides in the parks and stuff, and kind of the ups and downs of the history of the theme parks. And uh, the the Tokyo Disney stuff was actually a really big uh, win for them. And so they, there's actually a whole episode on the the uh, non-U.S. based parks like uh, Disneyland Paris and and Tokyo Disney and then the the China parks too, but the, the Tokyo Disney the way they designed it just kind of around the water and stuff was so just oh, it was fascinating to watch. So uh, I hope you get to go. I think you'd really enjoy it. I would like to one day. Uh, it's it it's gonna be a while before I can do that. Well, before we can do anything, it seems like. But uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's it's uh, listening to you talk about hearing uh, those characters talk uh, speak Japanese. Like being a teacher over there, how did you kind of get? But did you have to learn Japanese? Like, do you know a little bit of Japanese? Did you? Have to- <laughs> I know, like. <laughs> Like, konnichiwa, sayonara, agomenasai, very basic. So I applied in March, interviewed in, in April. I was in Totori, Japan in June. So oh. I, <laughs> it, was, it was very fast-paced getting packed up. But they, they learn English in their schools, and the Japanese workers at my school, that branch, they all were fluent in English. 
they would, what I think they were doing, I never sat in one of their classes, I think they were explaining grammar. They were also speaking English, but I think they were mm -hmm. able to switch back to Japanese to help it make sense to the students. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, with us, you were getting pure immersion, which was kind of cool, especially with my high school students, because they would ask me things about American culture, like, do you know President Obama? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, not, no, I don't. I, not, not personally, because <laughs> uh, this was in 2012, yeah. and... You know what? What's it like dating in the U.S.? Those were those were the best. Even if we didn't follow the book, they're still learning something. You are right. learning conversation skills. You are learning about American culture. Uh, my name is Celeste Roberts, and my name tag had the the characters. And one of my little five year old students was reading it like Celeste Roberto, and I said, "Oh yes, I'm a robot." And I started doing a little robot dance and. <laughs> You would have thought I was David Chappelle. Wow. <laughs> that was wow. so cute. So cute. Don't get me wrong. They were very, very well disciplined. The parents take big interest in their progress. But I did have some little, some kids here and there, few and far between, who were rascals, just like here in the U.S. I mean, kids are kids with energy. And you might you might be familiar with this, and I'm sure some of the uh, listeners have heard of conchoing, mm -hmm. where you they like try mm -hmm. to touch each other's butt. Mm -hmm. One of the five year olds came up to me in the front and tried to do that. Oh, it was uh, not comfortable at all. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine so. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> I immediately got the manager and had her come talk yeah. to him in stern Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds uh, not like a pleasant experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I did get to go on vacation for a week while I was there, and I went to Tokyo, and I, I well, obviously for the the Disney Sea. But my friend who had been teaching there, she made sure we went to the Biohazard Cafe, which is the Resident Evil Cafe. They call it Biohazard oh, over there, yeah. as many yeah. people know. And so <laughs> it was <laughs> imagine. These scantily clad Japanese women with like star shirts and their midriff is showing and they're wearing short shorts and Spice Girls is playing in the background. Hansen is playing in the background. Sounds about right because uh, I think like the first three or four games take place in the 90s. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that. now that you bring that up, that makes sense because I was just like, whoa. They're, they're I mean, a little behind. <laughs> I mean, unless unless like Japanese culture has a real obsession with like the Spice Girls, which I wouldn't really put it past them. But you know, I mean, <laughs> that's that was <laughs> yeah, just that, that trying was to really cool. <laughs> trying to survive Resident Evil while listening to some Umbop would be uh, <laughs> oh an interesting God. way to play that game. It would be like Zombie Land, kind of, but. Yeah, that was that was an experience. I stayed for six months instead of a year. There was a family medical emergency back home, and so I cut my contract short. But I would be if anybody has questions about it, I'd be happy to like privately message you about it, answer what I can. I have a blog. If I want to make sure it's still up, but I was kind of journaling things for my own benefit to look back on, but also people who are moving things to pack things that are available in Japan, culture shock stuff. Yeah, cool. That's that's really cool. I I you know I uh, 
when when you uh, retweeted when I was asking for questions and you said we were going to talk about Japan, I'm like, yes, this is cool. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm always interested when people go to other places, especially something, uh, I mean, you know, we for people that found the show somehow without knowing who we are, this is kind of like a gaming-focused website and a lot of gaming stuff originated in, in Japan and, and every, it's always fun to learn about the culture in which the things you're interested in came from. And uh, even if it doesn't have to do with games in general, like, you know, teaching someone English in Japan is always a fascinating thing too. Uh, It's just, that's so cool that you got to do that. Kind of, kind of jealous of that actually. (laughs) It's not too late. Maybe when when your little girl's grown up, if you want to take a little excursion, live there for a little while, and you don't have to have an English degree, at least with the company I was with. You just have to be a native English speaker, have at least a bachelor's, and have a good grasp of, of grammar and spelling and mm. punctuation, things like that. So it's cool. Don't be deterred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to kind of move move along here. Uh, you, you, uh, you're a writer, right? So uh, I, I imagine that that kind of started as a hobby for you. But, but, but before we get into the writing stuff, like what else do you like to do? You know, I mean, we, we met because of the, the another Zelda podcast kind of follow refollow kind of moving back and forth between there. And, and, uh, you know, obviously you, you are a big Zelda fan, but what are some of, what do you like to do in your free time when you're not, you know, writing proposals or, or you know, <laughs> crossing T's and dotting <laughs> the I's, so to speak. I like to sleep. Well, I'm just kidding. That, I mean, that's always nice. But I, I love to cook. I love to bake. I'm not like a professional cook or professional baker. Please don't message me asking me to make a wedding cake or anything like I mean, that. Ed might message you to make him something delicious, <laughs> uh, judging by, by the last few conversations I kind of came in on. Uh, so, Yes, my grandma could make him some homemade gumbo <laughs> if I, he's interested. If you're interested, too, it, it doesn't have to be seafood. I know you said you're not a big seafood person. We can fix you up some sausage and chicken jambalaya, I mean, I can, jambalaya gumbo. I can, I can do some seafood. I, I like shrimp. <laughs> I, I like some fish, uh, which is better than I used to be because I used to go – I used to live by the saying, if it comes from the sea, it does not go in me. And so uh, I've expanded my palate a little bit as I've gotten older, but – uh, also, I still have the the taste buds of a twelve year old child, so um, you know. Hey, you like what you like. It's true. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm an adult man. I can eat what I want, right? I mean. Yes, you know. yes. You pay your taxes. You paid your dues. <laughs> right. That Taco Bell drive through um, is open late. Uh, but uh, yeah, so what do you what do you like to cook? You know, I mean, that's that's something that you know I I worked professionally at for. 14 years oh, I was wow. a I was a uh, well I wasn't a, a chef I was a, the kitchen manager for a restaurant around here and it was uh, something that paid the bills and it was it, you know it was good while it lasted but I you know as some something I was try, I wanted to do more and, and so uh, kind of got out of that but I'm always interested in hearing people say they like to cook because it's something that I just kind of took for granted for such a long time uh, 
So yeah, I could, I could see if you were doing that for 14 years to pay the bills. That definitely puts it in a different perspective. It's not fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got I've gotten around to you know cooking regularly. Uh, you know, I mean, my wife cooks a lot, but I when I do cook, I do like to try to do something different. But uh, what do you what do you what's your favorite thing to cook? I don't know if I have a favorite. I'm very big on Pinterest. Your wife might be the same way yeah. if she's looking for new recipes because sometimes you have a brain freeze. Oh my gosh, do I feel like baking chicken again? Do I feel like making spaghetti again? I love to look on Pinterest. Um, I also follow some accounts on Instagram to get some inspiration. I, I just like to try new things. I really like enchilada chicken enchilada casserole mm. i like butter baked chicken Captured i like fish <laughs> oh man i'm gonna have to send you that recipe if yes. you don't have it you, sh- you it should send so it to good. me <laughs> please <laughs> please if i forget you just just message me and say chicken enchilada yeah <laughs> casserole i'll know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about i've i've really gotten into baking over the christmas holidays i had my little godson come over and we made homemade from scratch gingerbread cookies. And when he was using the rolling pin, you would have thought he just won the lottery. He said, Sessy, that's his nickname for me. I'm a professional chef. <laughs> <laughs> using the rolling pin. It was so cute. <laughs> so I like to look up. I like baking banana bread. I, I think when you're younger and ingredients are intimidating because they seem so expensive when you have to get so much you might not use often it's a lot it's a big expense yeah but now that i'm using flour sugar powdered sugar brown sugar whatever that's a pan those are pantry staples i'm older now so it's i have a little bit more income than i did when i was 18 right (laughs) so it's it's more enjoyable now and i think you might be able to attest to this having worked in the restaurant industry i do like going out to eat uh, my boyfriend Timmy and I love to travel whenever we can, and we love to just stumble upon restaurants. Like, oh, that that looks different. That looks unique, especially like in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's prime yeah. destination for every culture you can imagine. Oh yeah. And we live an hour away from New Orleans, so we try to get a new restaurant in once a month or every few months. We have some favorites that we just can't stop revisiting. But I think there are so many dishes that you can make at home that you can make even better with your own unique touch. I mean, I don't know. What do you think from your experience working no, in a restaurant? I definitely taken some liberties and, and adding and, you know, changing some ingredients to make something more to the things that I, at least for me that I like to eat. But, you know, sometimes my wife is like, uh, don't do that. And I'm like, it's oh, so good, <laughs> you know, cause I mean, we have, everybody has different, preferences and stuff i like stuff a little bit more on the spicy side a little bit more on the hot side and you know Mm -hmm. she's a little bit more conservative when it comes to that stuff but uh you know she experiments too right there she's uh uh her family is ukrainian and 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 jewish so they have like this whole separate palette of food that i've never even thought about eating before in my life and you know, I mean, some things I like from there and some things I don't, but, you know, it's kind of a give and take and, and figure out what you like. And they 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 do do a, a great job of kind of like 
you know, understanding that I don't really care for everything that they cook. So they kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of nice when they're like, hey, we're doing this. So uh, do you want something different? It's kind of nice that they oh, that's take really that considerate. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff, though, that they make that I never had before. And uh, it's, it's, it's very good. Very, very good. They, her, her mom makes these uh, meat and kind of spinach and cheese pastry things. Uh, they're just kind of like pastry pockets with like meat and cheese and spinach inside of it, or like a combination of the, of the ingredients. And it's really good. Uh, it, it, it's like a savory and sweet type taste and it's just, it's really different and really good. And I never thought I would kind of enjoy something like that, but it's really good. So that sounds amazing. It is all it's, my favorite things in one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's cooking is, is an interesting art that is uh, tough to master for sure uh, so i don't know if i could do it for for money i you know i feel i would feel too much pressure <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> with that yeah luckily where i worked it wasn't that you know interesting of a, of a palette right i mean we had a lot to do but it was more like steaks and chicken and and burgers and stuff like that and not you know nothing too fancy so Sometimes I get a craving for a good old cheeseburger, though, and fries and a milkshake. Just, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's there's a lot of those places around here. Uh, The area where I live actually is uh, there's a place called Swenson's that my wife loves. Loves. Uh, It's it's just like this locally owned chain. There's probably like maybe ten of them in the area. And uh, once in a while, my wife will just get a craving for it. And it's just this greasy, like, greasy cheeseburger with, you know, this their special sauce on it and some fries and just, yeah. Sometimes, oh, sometimes that's all you need. A, Swenson's, do they serve ice cream? They do. They have ice cream and milkshakes. And it's, it's one of those uh, kind of old school drive up in your car and roll down your window and order places. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you know what Sonic is or anything. I don't know. It's, oh, big it's, fan of Sonic. We have yeah. one. <laughs> it's like the it's like the home home version of that. Like it's just like a homegrown version of of Sonic. So yeah. Oh man. So. Oh, because we had there was a Swenson's in New Orleans or right outside of New Orleans that was an ice cream parlor. I think that was its name when I was a kid. So I was wondering if that was the same chain. Mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they've expanded past this area or not, to be honest with you. Uh, I never really looked into it, but uh, it is it is, uh, it is a local favorite, I will say. So, uh, but other than other than cooking, uh, what else what what else do you like to do? What uh, what else do you do in your free time? Sure well, Timmy, <laughs> Timmy and I, whenever the world is normal, we like to go thrift shopping, flea markets. Hmm look for that kind of stuff he likes finding old gaming systems and if they're in disrepair he likes to tinker with them and sometimes he'll sell them or he'll keep them for himself i like to watch a lot of makeup people on youtube i find that pretty relaxing i don't do anything super artistic like special effects but Mm -hmm. that's kind of my me time in the morning because like you i have to get up like at 5 5 20 and that's my piece of the day before I go to work. So it's a little self-care, a little pampering, and I like 
learning about the different products. I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, the Beauty Brains is a podcast with two cosmetic chemists who answer questions about beauty products. But they they do use scientific terms, but they break it down to layman's terms, explaining maybe some trends that are not safe for you, what ingredients to look out for, are you paying too much for that $20, $20 bottle of shampoo? Because <laughs> the $5 yeah. one do the same trick, especially if the same company making it. So I'm always fascinated by the marketing aspects. Do you like to just look at how a product is packaged sometimes mm -hmm. and think about the, the script on it, how they worded things, why they named it that, yeah, what... Like it, it, feelings are they trying to evoke <laughs> yeah uh when when i was in school i took some some marketing classes so i know all about how <laughs> packaging and advertising like how mm -hmm. important it is to catch catch the eye of 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 the consumer you know it's a uh, and then you just think about like how much money they spend on this pack like getting this packaging ready alone like you could have someone like some celebrity on the front you know, with their hair kind of like whipping around, you know, one of these things. And it's just like, why? Like, you know, and, and when you look at the quote unquote generic brand, it's, it's way cheaper and it pretty much, you know, kind of does the same thing. Not, I'm not trying to say that some like brand name products aren't better. Right. But sometimes you got to pick and choose your battles with those sometimes. And, uh, Oh yeah. And I, I'm not sure how much you know about makeup or, or interested. <laughs> That. I know very little about makeup, but <laughs> I'm sure if my wife listens to the show, this will be something she pays attention to. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a lot of the big name brands own the same counter brands you see at department stores. They mm -hmm. have uh, sister labels at drugstores, and the drugstores really stepped up its game. So, mm -hmm. so it's like a like cars, for instance. Some people drive a certain brand of car because it makes them feel like they have more money mm -hmm. i guess <laughs> yeah but no i know about that because I, I work at a car dealership i work at a mm -hmm. at a chevrolet dealership and obviously they have you know chevrolet and gm is the the big brand and then you know cadillac is the the prestige brand and then buick is kind of like the more upper middle brand and then chevy's kind of like the basic brand so like i'm sure it's that way across the board with not just cosmetics either but you know food and, and all these other things too mm -hmm. I, for you, another hobby is i really like watching fraser and the golden girls and if you've ever seen fraser he's he's so sophisticated he's tries to enjoy the finer things in life and it just mm -hmm. cracks me up how he and his brother are mm-hmm like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the episode where his dad wants to go to like a little steakhouse that's the equivalent of like a golden corral, <laughs> uh -uh, <I laughs> or like haven't. a Texas Roadhouse. No, yeah, I, and they. <laughs> I haven't watched too much Fraser, but I I do watch the Golden Girls from time to time, and I <laughs> it, it was, you had that you had that shirt on the the first time I I met you the the Golden Girls shirt it was cool like, I was like yes you can you're allowed to stay. You can stop. Oh, thank you. It's uh, <laughs> it's a. I listened to a Golden Girls podcast called Out on the Lanai, and it's just hilarious. They, they, what I think is really cool is because that show was made in the mid '80s, early '90s. There are probably a lot of jokes where they name certain people, certain celebrities, certain political figures, where the joke might go over our heads. Mm -hmm. And the host of this podcast explained the significance of that remark. 
what was going on at the time. Why is this? So I, I really appreciate that whenever someone can give historical context because yeah. I don't know who uh, this this presidential candidate was in 1987 and why is this funny? Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that too. Because, like, at the time, those were probably like really smart jokes. And, uh, you know, as time passes and people don't know or they just don't really learn who these people are, you know, I mean, I, I watch a, a ton of things that I don't know the references they're making, you know, and it's that's cool that they mm -hmm. kind of explain that, you know, because it probably makes the joke that much funnier if you're like, ha, huh, that guy. I know him. Yes. You know. And you you and I talked about this where we both like The Office and Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. So those are two shows that I, I could put on in the background and just really enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> They're so funny. Yeah, those are shows that you can just... I've probably seen, in some way, shape, or form, I've probably seen every episode of The Office like three or four times at least, uh, just from it being on TV, reruns, whatever. My wife and I just probably about two years ago i want to say yeah it was about two years ago because it was the that and Mad Men were the last two shows we watched before my kid was born and we watched parks and rec from the beginning to the end and it was i had never watched parks and rec until then and i was like man this show i think i almost like it better than the office in some ways uh, it's so funny it's not as it doesn't have as many serious moments no, as the office no does. but i kind of yeah i kind of like that to an extent you know i like mm -hmm. uh the way Leslie and Ron's relationship kind of becomes what it becomes. And, and obviously April and, and uh, Andy, like that's a, fun, Oh man, that's just such I, a fun relationship. I am trying to convince Timmy to dress up like Burke, Ma Bert Macklin. And I want to be Janet snake for Halloween. Let me, that, that's funny. <laughs> you say that because last Halloween, my wife and I went as Jim and Pam for Halloween to a to a, oh. her friend's party, and they dressed up as Burt Macklin, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. So that's that's so funny. Yeah, and and Bob's Burgers. I, I think I mentioned that to you. That that is a show I absolutely love. I don't know if you've gotten to the episode where Bob lets Tina drive in the parking lot. Uh uh, haven't gotten there. Oh, yet. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> I'll get there that's at it. some point. I'll get there eventually. It's. It's that that show's becoming my uh, I'm gonna fall asleep while this is on show. You know? It's a soothing show. It's but when you you have to let me know when you get to that episode where he lets her drive in the parking lot because I I think I cried laughing the first time I saw <laughs> that episode. Just like when uh, Stanley I think it's called stress relief where he has a heart attack because yeah. Dwight sets things on fire in the office and Angela throws her cat and says I wait. Only 82 pounds or something. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pause it on Netflix, The Office. Yeah. The first time I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Are you listening to their Office podcast, by the way? I am. I am. I, I was listening to the, uh, oh, Grief Support today, the latest episode. Are you listening to The Office Ladies as I, well? I It's on my feed. I'm very behind. I listened to like the first three episodes and I just, you know, I just haven't had the time to go back. Uh, so, but I, I do, I do want to listen to it because I, I love The Office. I do plan mm -hmm. on listening mm -hmm. to the whole thing. Uh, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where I will probably listen to a whole bunch in a row just to catch up at one point. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what happens, especially when you discover a podcast way after 
after its inception. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, playing catch up. Yeah, like uh, Dax Shepard's podcast I listen to uh, once in a while. Uh, it's called uh, it's called Armchair Expert, where he kind of not it, some of them are just his friends and stuff, but it's other actors or other you know celebrities and stuff or just people in general. He brings them on to talk about you know anxiety and all these other things and i my wife actually brought it to my attention and i had probably listened to five or six episodes in a row when i first found it uh but that's that's also a, a show that i kind of pick and choose which people i want to listen to uh yeah. oh okay so he interviews people is it kind of like a, a joe rogan type where he gets different experts on different um, things sometimes mm. it's more just getting other celebrities to talk about things that they're kind of going through that people don't really see like you know like anxiety Uh, or you know Dax Shepard was a uh you know he did used to do a lot of drugs and and drink and stuff and now he's been sober for like seven or probably like 10 years now or something uh so he talks a lot about that and things that he went through and how he still kind of struggles with it uh you know it's just kind of one of those uh podcasts and, and but it's really interesting to listen to other people talk about stuff like that uh it's it's kind of weird how in the, like the last not weird but it's it's interesting to hear that people are opening up about you know kind of uh their mental health and kind of things that they go through and it's kind of uplifting in a way you know to to you know because if, if people are going through the similar things you know people that they look up to are going through the same things so you know that that's very true especially with celebrities because they seem to have it all we we think that they're in these beautiful castles practically mm-hmm. without anything to worry about but you, <laughs> this poetry is a passion of mine and you might be familiar with this poem by i can't remember the poet's name but it's called richard cory mm, you familiar with richard cory i think yeah if, if it rings a bell. I think we went over it in the, in a creative writing uh, class I was in. Um, I can't, I don't remember what it is though, so you're gonna have to refresh my memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, it's one of my favorite poems. Just when you were describing what celebrities go through and them, they're being open about their struggles. It's a poem about this man named Richard Corey, who people in the town admire. He seems to have everything. He's wealthy. He's handsome. He dresses well. Has a nice house. And everybody else is struggling, so they just see the superficial side of him. And the poem ends with him committing suicide. Oh. He's not apparently he's not a happy person. Yeah, he has all all these things that people seem to envy, but mm-hmm. if you're not happy, yeah. money cannot buy that. Yeah, yeah. So that's wow. That's yeah. I, I I now that you're talking about it, I do remember that. Um, yeah, because w- during that process, we were learning about uh, kind of how to. In that class, it was about character, kind of character development and stuff in short mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. Uh, just how to kind of get a character's kind of v- a view on a character in a in a short story type way, and and we were kind of going over poems and stuff, and and yeah, they, we were talking about how do you how do you find a character's. Uh, almost like a dark side to the character that maybe other characters within the that world don't understand or see and that that was a poem that came up so oh that's really cool yeah yeah so uh, that was a really interesting class about 
character uh, uh, building. Uh, it was, I kind of miss, miss those classes. It's been so long since, <laughs> since I've really kind of learned anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's real things happening out there. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why literature is so important. I'm, I'm very much against banning literature. Like, people want to take out Huck Finn. They want to take out To Kill a Mockingbird. And I'm thinking, how are you going to understand what's wrong Mm-hmm. If you're not exposed to it, I don't know if you've ever read The Giver. Mm-hmm. I the, love The Giver. Back in the day. I, yes. That's one of my favorite books of all time. Yes. So I have a story for you. I met this lady who brought her son to dinner with some friends of mine, God, like 10, 11 years ago. And she was a very much a, a helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. Like she had to read. I think her son struggled with school, so she would help him by reading the books ahead of time. Well, she had a problem with The Giver and went to the school board to try to have it banned because she said it was promoting communism. <laughs> okay. So so I, I said, okay, well, I, I understand how you get that, that link about communism because everybody's assigned their task based on what the Mm -hmm. governing body feels their abilities are. But did you read it through to the end where spoiler alert, whoever's listening, I've got Jonah, Jonah, Jonas, I think his name is. He realizes what is wrong with all of this. What's having this kind of lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of the book where he escapes for for freedom and she's like I don't care I don't want my son exposed to any kind of other ideals and all I could think was this poor child I hope <laughs> wherever he is today I hope he has left the house I hope he has done something crazy that would mm-hmm. upset his mother <laughs> yeah I remember we uh, when I was in high school we read we read The Giver and we read uh, 1984, kind of like back to back. And uh, let's just say I grew up in a community that had a lot of issues with those books as well. Uh, I grew up in a, a predominantly Mennonite community. Uh, oh, that's it's kind of like Calvinist. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like. Well, we used to say Amish with technology, but there, there, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a lot more to that, but that's you know we yeah that's kind of that's like the easiest way to sum it up is is Mm -hmm, amish mm -hmm. with technology so uh yeah there's a lot of you could see how the the giver would have gives people like that some some issues uh especially the orthodox ones that weren't kind of open to anything uh but yeah i kind of grew up in a funny (laughs) yeah i kind of grew up in a place where like everybody had the same six last names (laughs) Oh really? Yeah, it's like really? yeah. It's like uh, Yoder, Miller, uh, you know, Slayball, the Summers. You know, those kind of those kind of names uh, were, were were just everywhere. So, uh, but yeah, are you, are you I, sure we're not from the same place? Because I mean, we, we have we, that issue, not issue, but commonality. <laughs> yeah, down here. I mean, we could could be. You know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it was. It, I'm not. I mean, I'm not trying to like talk bad about that that group of people or anything it's just it's just when people believe what they want to believe and don't have an open mind is kind of always been a weird thing to me at least so mm-hmm. uh but yeah uh that's wow that that 
this episode took a kind of a cool tangent this way. Yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I live in southern Louisiana, and if you ever get to come down here, it's very different from northern Louisiana. When you were talking about Mennonites, so southern Louisiana is predominantly Catholic, which it's a unique brand of Catholicism because we have so much French influence with the food, the culture, Mardi Gras. I mean, we're we're a melting pot with Spanish influence, Haitian influence, um, African American African influence. So it's very laissez faire. Uh, mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it let it be whatever it's going to be. I mean, have you? Do you have drive-through daiquiri shops? Uh, it, daiquiri, no. Beer, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so do they have the thing where you have to leave the piece of tape on the cup if you're driving? Uh, no. Uh, but uh, it's it's more of a thing as like. If you get it, you better be driving home or to the destination you be you, you know <laughs> your destination because if you get caught with this open, you are not you're not going to your destination. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, like you cannot drink and drive down here either. Like if you go to the drive-through daiquiri shop, if you get pulled over, that piece of tape better be over the straw hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it better not be punctured because. Like you said, you are not going home. You're not going to yeah. your intended destination. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and then they have, you know, Mardi Gras and stuff. So people are pretty live and let live down here. So, I mean, you know how it is. It depends where there are open-minded people and then there are closed-minded people. It's yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It is. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's so weird how different parts of the world you can find commonalities and then you can find something totally just different than anything you ever because like when i met when i met my wife one of the first places we went to uh was new york city and she her and her sister love new york city i had never been there until we were together and it was so different from even like the the biggest city by me is is cleveland ohio and and even going up there i was like man this is like i don't know i guess i'm just not like a city person like i i can i can deal with like smaller cities like the one that i'm in Mm -hmm. i I like it but like when it comes to driving in a city i'm like you're driving Mm -hmm. (laughs) our public transportation better be amazing (laughs) yeah uh so but when we went to new york and stuff like you said talking about our restaurant conversation earlier and just finding places holes in the wall and and uh you know even the pizza places up there is just there's so many different things and so many different flavors of of people and culture and mm-hmm. food just even you turn left down the street you're in a different it's like you're in a whole different city you know it's it's cool mm-hmm. so and i i'm sure in new orleans is like that too uh, it's you can drive in it <laughs> that's a bit different yeah <laughs> It's it's uh, just uh, watch out for the potholes. Yeah, well, when you if you live you live up here in February or March when the snow clears and there the salt eats the road. It's, uh, oh pretty, no! Yeah, so it's you pretty, understand. Yep. you understand the pain. Oh yeah, it's, oh yeah. Uh, they repave the roads up here about every two two or three years. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's pretty bumpy up here. 
but uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of change course here. We're gonna talk about <laughs> just a little bit of your work at another Zelda podcast blog, and then get into your uh, get into the writing stuff uh, in particular. So uh, you are an editor over at another Zelda podcast blogs. Uh, what is how did you get into that, and what is what do you what is that like? What is your job there? Like, how do you go about? Like, do you edit other people's stuff? Do you, I mean, I'm, I know you write also, but uh, does, do people have to like submit their work to you and then you post it for them after you kind of edit it or stuff like that? Like, how, how do you go about doing that aspect? So, I'll, uh, so you want me to circle back to how I even got involved? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's start at okay. the top. <laughs> okay. Um, I had mentioned before that I think in the, uh, the first Nintendo POW podcast that I was looking for something to listen to. I just discovered podcasts around like 2017 and I just typed in Zelda or their Zelda podcast. And that was around the time David Geisler and Kate May were making another Zelda podcast. So I started listening to it. I would comment on their post on social media, just became good friends. And I had a question for David. So he had friended me on Facebook so I messaged him a question and I just started talking about how I like writing. And he said, oh, would you like to write? We want to start blogs in 2019. So here I am <laughs> writing about Zelda. Pretty much anything is, is a go. He's David's like, whatever you guys want to write about it. I don't want to say it tries to be super family friendly or anything, but there, mm-hmm. there's no erotic fan fiction really on that website sorry to disappoint sorry everybody uh if you're looking for that this is not the place Uh, i'm sure it exists out there but it's not here (laughs) no no Uh, i don't know i haven't really received any submittals of that from our blog team so if it ever comes up i'll just ask david hey um do you want to just put like a little disclaimer or something i don't know (laughs) but yeah, to answer your question about the submittal process, Shane Kelly, Carlos Gomez, um, MJ Kuhn, her husband Ryan Kuhn, and soon-to-be Dan McCoy will be, they are uh, contributing writers as well, and um, Lizzie Nielsen has contributed some articles whenever she can, so they'll upload them to the shared Google folder and let me know and they submit images that they think would go well with the article so that I can create a link to the image and our, on our website. And so I, I look through it. If I have any questions like, oh, this, this statement is a little unclear. Could you maybe elaborate on this? Or I'll fix grammar, punctuation, whatever, a second pair of eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I schedule it to be published. Once We have an article once a month with a few bonus ones every now and then. Cool. Yeah, I, uh, I honestly just uh, a couple weeks ago when uh, you know all, all this following and refollowing stuff happened, like I I had just started listening to it and and I've listened to probably ten or twelve episodes at this point. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! Which is funny because I listened to the latest episode, which was the the quiz uh, show episode uh, as of the as of this recording, and. Uh, MJ and I were talking about it when we recorded our episode and, and she was like, 
I was kind of embarrassed because I didn't know a lot of those questions. I'm like, don't worry, I'm a big Zelda fan. And I knew maybe half of those questions. <laughs> so they were hard. Yeah, there's some there's some hard ones on there. Uh, so I, you know, I I feel everybody's pain who you know maybe didn't know the the answer. Of course, you know, Eddie V, my co-host on on Nintendo Power Block, was probably like screaming the answer before the question was even finished. Right? <laughs> you know, he's he's. Uh, he knows, uh, you know, but, you know, we we gave him a hard time because he's a obsessive Nintendo fanboy, but, you know, we, we love him, so. Oh, he's so sweet. He He's so passionate. I oh, want yeah. his energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I keep him around, because he's the, he's... <laughs> he's the energy and the hype and the 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 dreamer and i kind of keep everybody grounded from that i think that's kind of the dynamic we've we've formed over the last five years so uh but yeah i love ed to death he's uh you know he's one of my best friends and um, i wouldn't be doing this without him so uh but yeah so you you said you were into zelda you were looking for zelda podcast to listen to and this is how you got involved with them uh what's your history with zelda i mean have you have you played every game have you like what are your favorite games uh i I guess i guess i'll ask what was your first zelda game i guess would be the proper start of this (laughs) well to to take on the golden girls picture it louisiana 1996 or so 95 i don't know what year it was do you remember Movie Gallery? Movie Gallery. It was like a blockbuster. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there was a few up here. Um, we were more blockbuster and, and Hollywood video up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there was one or two Movie Galleries around here. Yeah. They, my family would frequent that one. I think it was a little bit cheaper than Blockbuster. And they had the best Super Nintendo selection. Every Friday or every other Friday, it kind of blurs now. It's been over 20 years (laughs) my family would go to pick out a game I think my sisters and I could pick out one or two video games and my parents would pick out a movie and one day my dad was like hey this is called The Legend of Zelda looks like something you would like and I think I I looked at it and I was like eh whatever I wasn't that interested in it at first you know I I think Mm -hmm. I was interested more in Super Mario World, something I was more familiar with. And then eventually I did pick it up when we went to Movie Gallery. And I was, that opening scene in A Link to the Past where the three pieces of the Triforce come together with a little jingle. Mm-hmm. And then the Master Sword just comes down and the music, the, the fanfare starts and the castle appears in the background. Mm-hmm. My mind was blown. Yeah. And then when you walk out of the house for the first time and you see the rain, yes. like the, like the three D rain is like, you know, I, that was something that, uh, you know, was really fascinating when I first saw the game to me, run that, you know, kind of polygonal triforce and then the rain and then, you know, just the, just the effects when I first saw it, uh, I was not fortunate enough to have a Super Nintendo, but my best friend had one. Uh, I was a Genesis kid, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in the 90s. They have good games. They have good games. Don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, but they're not Nintendo games. Uh, but, you know, I, when I watched him play it, I always thought that that was the coolest thing because oh. Sega didn't really have a lot like that. Uh, Just the, the storytelling come to life. I had... I mean, Mario, you're supposed to save the princess. And Mario, I love Mario. It's it's fine. It's a great, it's a legendary series. But 
I felt like I was in a virtual storybook mm-hmm. the second I played Zelda. Just yeah. the in the music, my oh, yeah. goodness! The, the music <laughs> is the it, the music is arguably in a in a fantastic game. The music is uh, arguably the best part of the game in some instances. So yes, and I, I thought, oh my gosh, I, I get to go into the castle because in other video games you didn't really get to see the castle unless you were jumping on Koopas and over mm. lava and stuff. But yeah, I just. Oh my gosh, I get to see the princess this early on. That was my yes, that was my first Zelda game. And because I never owned the Super Nintendo version, I didn't own it that game until it was ported on the Game Boy Advance with mm-hmm. the Four Swords adventure. Yeah. So I did I didn't beat it until I was like in high school or, or college, but that was my first Zelda game and then the next one was Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Uh oh, my f- man. My first Zelda game was Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Uh, wow. Yeah, and uh, I I loved it. I had no idea what I was doing because, I, I mean, for me, my entire childhood was, was Mario and the Ninja Turtles NES games and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and, and whatever else I could get on Genesis at the time. And, and I had an NES, uh, you know, play, played a ton of Mario 1 and 2 and 3 and... and a lot of the stuff on on nes but i i had never played zelda on the nes i just never got into it you know and i just never and when you're that young you get what your parents get you you know and mm-hmm. you just yeah of, you don't have discretionary income as yeah much it's, when you're that and i was like well i guess i'll play the adventures of tom sawyer for the 30th time uh <laughs> i guess i'll i guess i'll play the simpsons trivia game even though i wasn't even into the simpsons you know it, it was uh, <laughs> oh man ain't a trivia game at that yeah oh, goodness don't worry i got really good at season one two and three <laughs> simpsons trivia for never seeing it uh uh but yeah and i my first maybe real zelda experience was ocarina of time uh I mean, I played a lot of Link's Awakening, but like I said, I never really knew what I was doing. I knew to go to the beach to get the sword, but I never knew Zelda was like about the dungeons and about finding items to complete the dungeons. I would always just kind of walk around and hit enemies with the sword. And I'm like, oh, well, this is fun, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So I'm going to go back to Ninja Turtles and, <laughs> uh, you know, hit smash the A button until everything's dead. Uh, but I played, yeah. I played Ocarina of Time. And the, the the one infamous story on, on our Nintendo show is that I beat Majora's Mask before I beat Ocarina of Time because I I was playing through Ocarina of Time and I got to the Shadow Temple as an adult, as adult Link. I wasn't reading or I wasn't paying attention to something and I didn't know you had to go back in time to do stuff and then go then you know finish the dungeon there and then mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. go go back to being an adult i didn't know that and i got really frustrated i didn't know what i was doing and on the same day i got but i loved the game and then when i found out majora's mask was coming out i was like okay i'm gonna get majora's mask and i ended up getting majora's mask the majora's mask strategy guide and the ocarina of time strategy guide all in the same go and i i beat majora's mask in a weekend because i was so obsessed with it isn't it great? I love Majora's Mask. I, oh. I think Majora's Mask is... I think it's super underrated. I know kind of mm-hmm. uh, revisionist history has kind of come back around on that game in Wind Waker also, unfortunately. But uh, 
I was obsessed with Majora's Mask, and I was like, well, I should go back and beat Ocarina of Time. And so I used the strategy guide. I finished the original playthrough I was playing, and then I went back and played the whole game again uh, with the strategy guide and kind of found everything. Uh, that strategy guide is, is in sad shape these days. but Mine is, too. <laughs> spine is not yeah. that great. <laughs> spine? You still have a spine? <laughs> Mine's just pages shoved in this link-shaped folder that, that they called a cover to just oh shove in there. Oh my god, that's funny. It, man, I used to collect those power gu- player's guides. They were like $15 mm-hmm. at the time. Yep. God. I, I still have <laughs> most of mine. And then I used to keep them in such pristine condition, except for like my Super Mario 64 one is trashed and my Ocarina of Time <laughs> one is trashed because I used it so much. But I, everything else, I kind of just sat on the shelf because I, as I started collecting them, I started learning like, okay, I want to keep these nice. I don't want these to be shredded, like these ones. I want them to be nice. And my cousin spilt a can of Sprite all over no, them, and no. all of the pages were stuck together. No, the covers no. were stuck together. So yeah, uh, I still have them all, but they are, unfortunately. The sugar from the pot made them all stick together, and it was just kind of like, maybe it was a sad day. My heart is sinking. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was. Oh man, you're you're gonna have to go to some thrift shops then. I know. See if you can find some. I know. There's a local game store down the street that sells strategy guides. They're anywhere from like a dollar to twelve dollars, depending on what the game is and how old they are. But uh, that's not bad. Then I thought you were gonna say fifty bucks. No, I mean some of the sealed like collector's edition ones are pretty expensive if they're older games but i'm smart enough to pre-order my zelda collector's guides and books and stuff so uh, uh, but uh what what is your favorite game in the series oh man it's like picking your favorite child (laughs) let me i'm gonna i'm gonna put the pressure on you mj guessed all the right games so she guessed all the right games yep she guessed all the best ones so because i asked her what her favorite zelda games were and she Mm -hmm. picked all the same ones that i think are the best ones so uh. oh man i think i think twilight princess is my favorite one yes okay you can say (laughs) i'm not just saying that because i i think you had mentioned that in the previous podcast we were we were on together but i twilight princess i remember i was a senior in high school when that came out and I spent a Saturday like in my pajamas like 12 I just remember 12 hours mm-hmm. <laughs> on that game on the GameCube version yeah. yeah just the I mean Ocarina of Time is so special to me still and it's a beautiful game Majora's Mask excellent game mm-hmm. but Twilight something about Twilight Princess it I think it it's still it, it marries the humor of Zelda with those goofy people in that balloon shaped area at mm-hmm. Lake Helia. Yeah. But the the tone, the, the sadness, what Zelda's dealing with. So it's your favorite one as well. Yeah. Uh, up until Breath of the Wild, I think obviously is a is a standout amongst the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably if I if I was to really rank them, I think Breath of the Wild might edge out Twilight Princess at this point, but uh, Twilight Princess, I think just it being kind of like you said, that dark tone mixed with the humor and stuff it, it that that dark tone of the story and the characters and stuff 
mixed with that little glimpse of hope that you see through the darkness, it really, that's uh, like my favorite thing in storytelling is, is that it's, it's things in the world are dark and things are happening that you don't know if you can fix them or not, but there's just that little glimmer of hope and that little kind of guiding light mm-hmm. that is Midna, who is the best guiding character in any Zelda game. Uh, I just, I just love Twilight Princess so much. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely my favorite in terms of classic Zelda, the, you know, the, the eight dungeon structure and, and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's the best. Also, I keep a little, uh, I don't know if you can see this, but I keep this on my desk. Oh, my it's shelf. like your, it's like your muse. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of sits here. That, yeah. that was also amazing to me. The fact that you can transform into a freaking wolf. That yeah. just, yeah. And it's <laughs> my mind. <laughs> it's, I, I never understood why the gaming community always put down Twilight Princess so much, uh, because of not only the the wolf stuff but like the they say that beginning is uninteresting and slow and everything i'm just like it's not it's not that bad guys it's not there's there's worse i mean did you play skyward sword the beginning of the skyward sword i'm i'm probably let me know if this is your opinion so skyward sword has a it's it's a beautiful game. It's like a watercolor impressionist mm-hmm. painting. That the music is nice. I I love the forest area when you're underwater swimming. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. But I I cannot stand the Wii motion controls oh, for you. it. Yes. Okay. Like okay. It's cool. I it is innovative for about five minutes. That game. And then that game should have been the game. <laughs> Yeah, that game that game should have been the game that came out when the Wii came out when those controls were still novel and still fresh and fun. By the time the end the Wii had like kind of run its course probably two years prior to that and everybody had kind of moved on. That was uh yeah, it was a struggle. Uh it's it's it I did not finish Skyward Sword. Uh I I love the story where it was going. Like mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. the just because it was just so opposite of Twilight Princess, right? It was uh, celebrating Link and Zelda's friendship through all these years and, and just the bright colors and the watercolor aesthetic. And mm-hmm. as you got closer to the assets, it more from a watercolor painting into the, you know, what the object was really supposed to look like. And it was really cool. The, the art direction they took that game is just the motion controls. I d- like, if I don't want every enemy I fight, I don't want to solve a puzzle for, you know, like that was mm-hmm. the big kind of turnoff for me for that game. Did you get to the the pirate guy in the desert, the pirate boss fight? Yeah, I think that's I think, I think that's where I stopped. I think honestly, I almost I had to get my my then boyfriend at the time to to beat it because like I could the motion control it wasn't ca- calibrating correctly. Like mm-hmm. so I died a bunch of times and I just got so frustrated. I almost quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Skyward Sword is a is a frustrating game. Although I hope that whatever these rumors are, that that game might be coming to Switch at some point. That they kind of really rework that game and and give it just like a traditional Zelda feel. Because yeah, those motion controls are are rough. I look, I, I like moving, and I think the Wii is great. I think it's fun to get off your butt and stuff but some games are just meant to be played like a traditional video game <laughs> yeah i mean i had a wii and i played the gamecube version of twilight princess that should just really tell you everything and i have i yeah, have the, yeah 
I had okay. the I had the Wii version. I bought it at launch, and I was like, I can't do these motion controls, so I played Wii Sports instead, <laughs> and waited for the GameCube version because they the GameCube version came out like two weeks after the Wii version, I think, and I just I waited because I I hated the motion controls. Oh, and it's a mirrored image of it yep. of the GameCube one, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the Wii U version actually does that also. Where if you play the normal version, it's the GameCube version. It's like the that uh, f- flip, and then if you play it on hard mode, it actually flips the entire world into the Wii version. So wow, yeah. Uh, so how, yeah, how is the Wii U version worth getting if I can find it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely they they fixed some of the the issues that people had like uh the one quest where you have to collect like fifteen uh pieces of something I forget the light what orbs or yeah. something yeah yeah you only have to collect like ten of them and mm. they cut out mm-hmm. some of the the filler quests and and kind of give some of the other quests more to do in a more interesting way so oh. uh, it's actually uh kind of the definitive version i would say of that game it's the same with with wind waker uh on on wii u also uh so yeah i i really like those versions of that game i still think i still think the wii u is a great console just stuck in a children's toy <laughs> to be honest I, that tablet. I love it i i love it yeah like, but, except except for the um amiibo festival with yeah. animal crossing <laughs> that yeah was that was a disappointment <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, but the rumor is like, next year is Zelda's 35th anniversary, and the rumor is they're going to put Wind Waker and Twilight Princess on the Switch next year, which would be, <sighs> yeah, it would be awesome. So it, it is cool that Wind Waker, for the, for the GameCube, you had to use that Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Or, and you can't do that with the Wii U. Yeah, uh, but I think the, the, I thought the tablet did some of that stuff. But I don't know. Maybe it a little bit. I know you could find like messages in a bottles. Yeah, or something. they changed a lot. They changed that aspect of the game though to make it fit for that version though. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I loved hooking the Game Boy Advance up to the GameCube. It was like one of my favorite things. I bought a second Game Boy Advance just to do it. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, it was, that was so innovative. Yeah, yeah. It was it was cool. So, uh, but we're we're actually gonna move into the the main topic here about your writing you are uh we didn't come here to talk about i mean we did but you know the main reason (laughs) why you're here is to talk about uh what you do uh you are a technical writer so uh what you said you kind of like write proposals and kind of do that fix uh documents and stuff like is that kind of all you do what what all does a technical writer do exactly so there, a technical writer can apply to different fields. I work for an erosion control slash construction company. So my content will be very different from someone who works for, say, IBM, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But just in general, you are putting language into digestible terms that someone who's reading the document can understand what you're talking about, correct formatting. So you want to be good with Microsoft Word, which as... People who have worked with Microsoft Word know there's like an endless list of tricks and background things you can do. I'm, I'm learning something new every day, which fortunately mm-hmm. Google exists that I can look up something. Right. But so uh, 
my degrees in creative writing, which does come in handy because I'm also um, a technical writer slash marketing specialist where I manage our social media and help with different marketing things. Like maybe if local kids want to come learn about what we do, we can have those kinds of things as kind of community outreach programs. So when I, when I applied, I applied for a completely different position environmental permitting which i know nothing about i just <laughs> i was applying for jobs right and no i know that i know that feeling. <laughs> uh, you know that feeling <laughs> yeah i mean look i i went to school for graphic design and and you know media stuff and i'm working in a car dealership so i'm still trying to get just find something <laughs> you know it's 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 tough especially in the area where i'm at you know there's not a lot of like companies really looking for that stuff around here because it's all kind of you know i think i think goodyear is like the biggest company that's based in the area uh and it's just it's it's just tough to find stuff you know even smaller businesses because a lot if you're not if it's not like a big kind of corporation type thing around here it's small businesses and a lot of the smaller businesses kind of handle that stuff on their own and it's it's just it's really hard to break into that stuff uh so but I mean, doing this podcasting and stuff, I'm trying to build a portfolio to show off at some point. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, you, you didn't know what you were, you didn't know anything about what you were implying for. So, but, oh no, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how did you, how did you end up in where you're at now? You know, I mean, did, did, you applied for one job and just got another one. You said kind of, um, yeah, I interviewed with my my now boss. He was over environmental services, and he had read my resume cover letter. And then I had a link to my portfolio with my writings from my university days for my creative writing classes. And he saw that I could write, and they needed somebody to write proposals because it it is a full time job. I manage and submit probably about five hundred proposals a year. I'm the only one. Wow. there as well so it's once you get the hang of it it's not too bad if some some weeks are busier than others mm-hmm. and that we have a slower season but he talked to the the president and a different department manager and they kind of created the position oh, wow. actually I was I was very fortunate very fortunate so I sometimes I go back to my alma mater to talk to the English classes about the English majors about what can you do with the English degree and I just encourage them I don't care if they don't have something listed on their website. Just just apply. Just tell them what your skills are. You never know. They yeah. They might not even know what they need until they see your resume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my uh, my brother in law. You know, he has like a degree in a in like a, a medical field. I mean, not like he's not like a doctor or anything, but you know, just <clears throat> just to have a piece of paper. And now he works for. Uh, a bigger company in the area that has nothing to do with medical, right? Like he, he, it's really? just, it, it just that, just that one little step that he took pushed him into a position. Now he's doing really well. He's super successful, kind of up for a, a bigger promotion. And, and it just took that one step and having the right things on the resume to fill that spot. And he's doing really well with it. So, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hi, Austin. I know you're watching. Yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> oh, is this live or uh, pre-recorded? No, no, this is, we're, oh, okay. we're pre-recording this, but he'll, he'll watch it when it goes live. He's, he's, oh, okay. he watches our stuff 
because he's a nice guy and so oh i'm uh, sure he enjoys it too he's he says he does so he's nice oh no I, I, he's he's great so uh but uh, yeah uh so writing a proposal for things you said you write 500 a year what what does a proposal look like? And I'm, I'm sure there's probably a thousand different things that you write about for this job, <laughs> but I mean, uh, writing a proposal, how does that, what does that look like really? So when I started, I knew zero about erosion control and construction equipment names. Like what is it? Like what the heck is a Maruka track hoe? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I worked, I work with the engineering department, I work with the project managers, I work with the environmental department, and then there's my boss who oversees a lot of stuff. So I, I learned how to read the design drawings. We cover and protect exposed pipelines, and our company will provide a solution through engineered drawings. So I have to look at those drawings, and I I have a very good team of coworkers who are very patient in explaining things to me. This is... Mm-hmm kind of telling me what to do and <laughs> at one time I wrote we are going to install this to quell the erosion and my boss said that's a really great word but I'm going to be honest with you a lot of these construction guys out in the field are not going to know what quell means so <laughs> 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 you, you kind of dump it down a little bit <laughs> yeah that's uh so that <laughs> that's probably challenging too because like you know not not to say anybody's like dumb out there or anything, but like trying to like write something that makes sense for you might not make sense for somebody else. So you kind of have to put yourself in their headspace while you're writing it too. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to, you're using like my, my proposal writing will put you to sleep 100%. Very different from my, my creative writing. It's not, it's not as fun. (laughs) Yeah. No, I couldn't, uh, I can't imagine, uh, Unless you like major proposals, little short stories that you could <laughs> tell about. Oh, it, it's also like when you think about it, it's also a legal document because there's yeah. all this legal language, uh-huh. boilerplate language in the back. They they sign. It's a contract basically. Yeah. And it's a, I have a template in Word that I use, and I look at the survey notes from the surveyors, and if there's any environmental stuff I have to put, I'll put that in and make sure punctuation's right everything flows together and sometimes people will ask me to look at their documents hey can you please edit this does this sound okay mm-hmm. and i uh, i do the social media posts that's where i can be a little bit more creative because you want to make it somewhat interesting now we're not we're not like starbucks or mcdonald's where we can have these amazing promotions and be mm-hmm. cool with oh the mcrib is back you mean you're not you're not like arby's <laughs> and making like little pop culture references out of your french fries or anything <laughs> no i oh man I wish I could. That would be awesome. But... I wonder how much they get paid. And <laughs> that social media team gets paid to do that because, like, they they go like way above and beyond what social media Dude, really the... needs to be for something like Arby's. <laughs> they are so in touch. They they must hire people who are kind of like us and very into that culture. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Just the timeliness. Like when things are released, they have a social media post about it that day and. Yeah, they're like not I, getting paid enough. That's yeah, like I saw, I saw uh, an Arby's ad today on social media that was like, I think it was like an Instagram post from them 
that was not that I'm like a huge fan of Arby's, but I do follow them because of the, the artistic take they take on their social media. And it was a Firefly logo because Last of Us comes out on Friday. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. They know. Yeah. No, we're not that cool. No. <laughs> we're not. No. no, we just like if we had like we have a ping pong table in our warehouse and if people are playing it like people on Facebook, especially people's grandmothers and spouses like to see that kind of stuff on a business page. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I also will post, um, I'll use Canva, which is the, uh, like I'm cheating with graphic design out there. I'm not, I'm not versed in Photoshop. So I use Canva and I'll do before and after case studies of here's what the project site looked like. And this is what we did. And I, I put very simple language in those descriptions. Like mm-hmm. I don't describe the, the dimensions, the measurements, and people like seeing that kind of stuff. So I can be a little bit more creative there. And uh, I edit the company newsletter every year, things like that. Gosh, uh, I hope I didn't put people to sleep just now. <laughs> no, I, this is this is really kind of interesting to see like a different uh, aspect of of writing because when you think of somebody who's whose job is a writer, like. Uh, I mean, not, not any like offense to your job or anything, but you think of something like when, you know, the last episode was, uh, MJ and you think about writing stories and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, character development and stuff. You don't think of, you need a really specific type of writer to do what you do. And that's super interesting to hear that part of something that people don't really think about when you think of writer. I think what, the most, I think what somebody told me when I was interviewing was I, I can teach somebody what we do as a company. I cannot teach them how to write. I don't have time. Like I, I don't have time to mm-hmm. have grammar one hundred and one right. with somebody. Right. Yeah. So that. So I I I really do enjoy it. I feel needed. I feel necessary. And I think I think it's really important to know that writing is communications all around us you you can see that in advertisements you can see that in on people's websites video games Mm -hmm. the dialogue so you can do this and and make a living and you can also in your free time have fun for um in in addition to this around the same time i started this company i was freelancing for a local magazine so i would get to interview people about local events coming up, festivals, uh, new shops opening, museums. There are plantations around here, so I'd get to interview people about the history of the different plantations. So it was, I guess it's like a, like a feature story, basically. Mm-hmm. Special, special interest, what's going on, what can you do around here. So I did that for about three years. So I got to be a little bit more creative than in that aspect because it wasn't, it didn't read like a newspaper article. You know how those are, they have Mm -hmm. to be, I think it's like a, what a fifth or sixth grade level where anybody can understand the story that Mm -hmm. I got to be a little bit more creative. Talk about the St. Patrick's day parade. Talk about, um, Oh gosh, there were so many cool people talk about uh, snowball stands. There's a a local lady who has over 400 flavors. Y'all might call them snow cones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she she makes video game themed snowballs. She has a Pikachu one, a Hello Kitty one. Oh wow! A Ninja Turtles one. <laughs> that's cool. That's that's awesome. So I mean, you kind of explore your creative writing that way. And besides besides the Zelda blog and stuff, 
do you get to explore creative writing in any other ways? Do you do that in your free time sometimes? You know, uh, like I did it. Yeah, like I, I did it a lot more when I was a teenager. You know how that is when your your passions are so intense at that age. And yeah, everything is new and and you're on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like that you're so and, focused on doing that one thing because it's all, the thing you're passionate about. Yeah, I get it. Yes, and you, yeah. have, you have more energy and fewer responsibilities. So I I used to write a song or poet, a, a poem every day when I was in high school. And I still, every now and then, I'll get an inspiration for a poem. Um, at the end of last year, I was published through Z Publishing. They, they featured different poets in each state. So I, I was in the Louisiana anthology. So that was that was really cool. I submitted some poems. And some former professors reached out to me a few years ago to contribute some academic articles on hip hop. They were publishing um, a hip hop around the world encyclopedia. So I contributed some academic articles on Kanye West, Mary J. Blige, Tribe Called Quest, and Cold Cut. So I liked that because I got to learn more about those artists and have a lot more respect for that genre of music and those people. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. I. Wow, that's that's cool. What who was who who's added that list that you just listed? Who who is your favorite person to learn about? Oh man, they they were all really cool. Um, I have to say, I'm I have a new respect for Kanye West. I know he's such a controversial figure. I don't know him personally, right? But just learning his background, like his mom had an English PhD, and he got to live in China for a year as a child because I think she was teaching over there and I have a I have a new respect for hip hop and his lyrics a lot more and I like Mary J Blige as well and I learned about a tribe called Quest because I was assigned that mm-hmm. that article that was really cool and then Cold Cut that was they're kind of a oh, like 80s 90s I don't know if you've heard of them I don't know if they're doing mm-hmm. as much anymore that was I think, I think if you get a chance to do research articles in that way, or if you want to write for a local magazine, that is an opportunity I highly recommend anybody take. It, it is time consuming, it, it is tiring, but you, I think everybody has a story. That's, I know that's kind of probably going to answer a future question you might ask. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but still, that's, that's still, uh, you know, like you said, everybody has a story and, and it's, it's so I think sometimes people just don't know where to start with it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know I struggle with that a lot or, you know, some people are maybe are afraid to tell their story or not and kind of intimidated of, about things. But, you know, it's, I think it's important for people to get their stories out there. If, if they feel like it's, it's something that they want to do, you know, it's, it's, fun to learn about what people are into or you know what's what's in their mind that you know maybe you don't see on the outside right like i'm sure when people like just taking me for example like i'm sure people don't think when they see me like i'm sure they don't think that i like to write i like to do you know certain things that maybe they don't think because like you know I, i played sports in high school i was always the biggest kid in school. I was always, you know, that kind of person that maybe people wouldn't think like, 
oh, well, he likes to write, you know, short stories or wants to be a writer someday or write poetry or, you know, is in this art class. You know, I took... I took eight art classes in high school because I loved oh art. Oh, my God. Like, I, I loved <laughs> art awesome. so much, and I took art history, and, and that was always something that, you know, I think some people always were surprised when I would say that, you know, because, you know, I played sports. That's what people do and where I grew up. If you're not playing sports, then you're not somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's... Which it's, sports did you play? Uh, I played football. I played basketball. I also played some volleyball uh, later wow. in high school. So. Okay. Well, you're going to be on my team for the Olympics. Okay. Because I, I, I can't even dribble a basketball. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, it, it, I, like, as much as I love, like, playing sports and stuff, like, it, it was, I was always more into the creative stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. people didn't really know about me like I, I remember i graduated and one of my friends didn't even know like i could draw you know and, and that was uh kind of a shock to them because i was you know i mean i was always playing sports i never really explored that with my friends you know and i think that's something that people become more comfortable with once they leave a certain situation where they're more especially at the time people didn't really explore their feelings or their interests and stuff because they kind of you know, it's, it's way more open now where people can, especially, you know, if you're into art or something, you, you can be proud of it or, you know, it, it's just such a different time now. And it's, you know, I kind of wish I would have been more into being open about that kind of stuff when I was younger. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it was hard. Cause we, I think we're about the same age. Like I'm 31. So I was a teenager in the early 33. Mid- early mid 2000s yeah so that's that was kind of that rough and tumble not as bad as like 60s 70s 80s Mm -hmm. 90s but it was it was still hard that's a hard age in general being a teenager when i look back i oh my god (laughs) yeah it was uh it was it was an interesting time uh but you know it's something that uh i kind of learned a lot about myself after that age after that age you know and and kind of took me a while to become who i am now you know in a sense Mm -hmm. uh, and actually enjoy kind of what i am i'm proud to be into and stuff so it was uh yeah it's uh i'm I'm glad like i'm doing what i'm doing now you know because you know if you when i was younger you know if you played video games you were a a nerd and if you talked about art and you know ninja turtles and transformers and power rangers and whatever else you were into right like that was that was a no-no because you're too old to play with that stuff or you're too old to be into that stuff and now it's i'm glad to see that this kind of nerd culture stuff is really kind of thriving in a way and i've made so many friends just by you know being around on the internet now and and you know not that Twitter and, Insta- and Instagram and Facebook are like the greatest places to be because it's such a dumpster fire of just negativity oh, and stuff. God. But <laughs> there are a few small pockets that are positive and, and interesting and exciting. And I've made so many friends doing these shows and meeting people. And, and that's, I mean, you in particular too, like you're a different voice that, you know, 
I've been podcasting for six or seven years at this point and never, never really had a female voice that you can just kind of be open with. Right. And, and, uh, I mean, we have a few female friends that are like that, but like it, it's not as consistent and as kind of open as, you know, you and I have been the last couple of weeks or even, you know, MJ or one of our other friends that does this kind of stuff too. And, and, uh, you know, we have some streaming friends that are female that have kind of become bigger in the last few weeks that, you know, we're super proud that, you know, maybe two years ago that wouldn't have happened because they're female or they're a person of color or, you know what I mean? It's just kind of this whole kind of accepting thing is just, it's really fun to see. And, and I'm glad that, you know, all, through all this negativity that's happening, there's like a positive part of this community that's really opened up oh absolutely it's uh video games are very very special to me yeah, <laughs> yeah. very special yeah uh but we actually have a, a, a question on twitter for you uh coming from uh, at dcdm99 he writes in uh he seems to want to be kind of he's kind of a aspiring writer it seems like he says i want mm -hmm. to start writing even for a small blog, I know I have to build a portfolio to present to people, but what does a good portfolio look like for someone who hasn't published anything? Um, yeah. And then he kind of go, goes on and says, what's more difficult as you, as, as a writer, brainstorming, drafting or edits. Uh, so I guess we can kind of go through all that in one okay. swoop. So I'm, I'm looking at his questions on my phone. Hey, DCD, thanks you so much for, writing in he he listens to another zelda pod and we follow each other on twitter he uh he was recently on switchheads talking about xenoblade actually oh cool mm -hmm. he's a big xenoblade uh guy i'm a fan of xenoblade <laughs> as well so we are two peas i i'm a big fan oh you'll have to talk to him about it he seems very passionate um so for a four portfolio we made ours in my capstone class, my one of my final classes as an English major, and we put our best writing. Like, what what was your best personal essay? What was your best academic essay? Did you, if you were a creative writing major, what are some poems you want to share? What are some short stories, uh, novel excerpts, if you have any? I think the technical writers, business proposals. I, I didn't take any technical writing classes in college. So I would go on a website. Uh, I had um, talked with him before, actually, like for a Zelda podcast, they use Wix for work. We use WordPress. And I think you guys use WordPress. Yeah, we use for WordPress your... as well. Yeah. So find, find one that you're comfortable with unless you know coding and want to build uh, straight up. I would just look through things, even if they're not published, and put them on a website. Put your what you feel are your best works. If you have written a newspaper article put that on there if you've written for a magazine put that on there if you've written some kind of copy for a product put that on there put mm -hmm. just just put your best works on a portfolio i had used um oh gosh what did we use webs <laughs> webs.com is what we used when i was making mine i need to update it so i had put my uh, senior research paper, which actually was about video games. I had written about 
the psychology of video games, the marketing aspects. This is, oh my gosh, this was 10 years ago. And how people talk about, oh, does do video games cause violence and how there were no studies with conclusive evidence. There still aren't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Just all the, the research behind that. And I, I would just recommend what you feel are some of your strongest pieces and putting them nice little website. You could categorize them by poetry, short stories, professional writing, marketing, copy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was, when I was doing a, an art reel and an art portfolio, you know, they always put your best stuff out there and, and, you know, mm-hmm. what we were kind of encouraged to do was like, maybe put something in there that's not like, your best work but something that you're proud of and kind of put it with and and it obviously works different with writing but you know we were put something similar that you would that it was kind of like an evolution of this this first thing and like this is what i started with and this is how i grew and this is you know this is kind of the end product of of what this first one was and this is how it kind of evolved into this one um so uh, you know it's writing is is hard you know it's it's uh mm-hmm. you know when when people people ask me sometimes even though i don't write as much ne- nearly as much as i used to or want to just keep writing just write you know even if it's something small every day you know it's it's very uh it's a skill that you can get better at if you just keep writing and maybe have somebody proofread what you write you know even if it's mm-hmm. You know, don't be embarrassed to have somebody read over it because there's, you know, we kind of talked about this before we started recording or maybe even at the top of the show a little bit was like a second pair of eyes catches mistakes, right? And and that you might not see. And it's, uh, Uh it's important to have a second pair of eyes. That's when we have people writing for us, it's always before it goes up, it's got to have a second pair of eyes on it because there are grammar mistakes. There are spelling mistakes. There's. You know, sometimes there's whole paragraphs that just don't make sense because they run together. And, and mm-hmm. maybe if you're tired, if you've been working on it for hours and you just got the glazed eye look, you know, and you, you just need yeah. some fresh eyes on it, it always helps. We're all human. And um, when, I was, when I was at university, I, I worked in the writing center as a writing tutor for three years. And sometimes reading your work out loud or having someone else read it I don't know how many people have time or do that, but that is when you can catch a lot of mistakes or tone. Oh, this doesn't sound exactly like the message I was trying to convey. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, if you read something one day and you love it the next day, like mm-hmm. if you come back to it the next day too, and you find that you just, what was I thinking? Why did I write this at one o'clock in the morning? And you, you kind of, <laughs> you take that idea and kind of rewrite it and rework it. And it, it becomes a hundred times better so uh, yeah you gotta sleep on it sometimes yeah i sleep on a lot of things a lot of times <laughs> uh, it's so. yeah let me i think that's one of his kind of related to one of his questions which um which process is the most difficult for you brainstorming drafting or edits they they all have their difficulty i think i, th- I think editing is the the easiest because you've done all the hard work the the mm-hmm. groundwork is there the foundations there so you just have to make it better mm-hmm. gosh i don't know if this answers that those exact categories but disciplining yourself 
is probably the hardest aspect as a writer. I I don't write nearly as much as I would like to or should. You should write every day or give yourself one day a week. But even if it's just 500 words a day, I mean, that's what Stephen King and all the writers, and I'm sure MJ has told you, just write something every day. Yeah, she says sometimes she writes 200 words a day. Sometimes it's 1,000. But just getting something on a page every day is really important. Mm-hmm. So. so I get, I don't know if drafting would or brainstorm. I mean, it, de- it depends on where you are. Brainstorming, if you have a stroke of inspiration, it can feel like you could never finish writing. Like you could just go on for eternity. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had that experience before where the muse is visiting you. She's ready to help you out. And yep. you feel like you're on top of the world. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I told you to, or I've, I was talking about it earlier, like during lunch today, I was writing some stuff down because I have an hour lunch break for some reason, for some reason they give me an hour for lunch. So I I just sit there and I'm I'm like, you know, between getting ready for the show tonight and, you know, the conversation I had last night, uh, it was just kind of like, I was, I've been super inspired to write lately. You know, it's just, it's been awesome so i sat there and was just like writing stuff down and it, it my lunch went so fast i'm like i need another hour like i've just i'm kind of, kind of wow. like in a, in a in a in a trance here you know trying to get ideas down and um you know it's it was just it was awesome you know i i posted on on twitter today i was like i now have three characters that i'm gonna flesh out a yeah. little bit and, and yeah, was, I did see that. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I've been wanting to write, and like, especially like when I was when my cousin published his book a couple years ago. I was then I was kind of inspired to like, I want to do something like that. And I, I've been working on this one thing for probably, I don't know, probably a better part of a decade mm-hmm. at this point. Just like this kernel of an idea, and I would, I had a a word doc that was so old that I had to open it in this weird format and copy and paste (laughs) it into a new word document because it was that old. It just followed me. It's just followed me from probably three computers. Like it it just had to copy and paste it, but it's, it's all still intact. I've reworked some stuff and I'm like the things I'm working on the last day and a half or so. I'm just extremely proud of, and not that the things I'm writing are good because I, I will go in and like fix mistakes and stuff, but just getting the ideas down on, on paper or in a notepad or, you know, honestly I was writing in the, in the, my phone's notepad today just to get ideas down and you know, I'll transfer it over to a computer later. Right. But uh, just writing something every day, even if it's something that you're not ever going to release to the public is just important. I think. It is. It is. It's. I think. I, I guess. I guess. I hope that answers your question, DCD. About. I don't know if the discipline part played a role, but that that really is the hardest part. Is that the same for you, too, Corey? Would you say? Um. Or? I think, like brainstorming, coming up with ideas. I think. I can. I think that that's. Not hard for me. Editing is definitely not hard for me if I'm working on somebody else's stuff mm-hmm. you know i i can pick out mistakes and stuff pretty easily i feel uh it's disciplining yourself like you said to sit down and actually get 
a draft done, you know, just sitting down and focusing <laughs> and getting it out there. You know, I mean, we're talking about writing blogs here and, and, you know, I was, when I was talking to MJ yesterday, she was writing a whole book. Like I couldn't even like fathom writing as much as she does to, to, you know, it, it is a goal, right? It is a goal that I now have, but, uh, writing a blog and stuff, just sitting down, focusing on an idea and getting five, like four to 600 words down and, and of an idea and, and, kind of putting your feelings into how you feel about this one subject is uh, probably the hardest part because you have this idea and you're how do you start it like once I think once I start and I'm happy with like a beginning type thing then I'll just then I can keep going and then I can go back and edit it and fix things later but it's just starting disciplining myself to sit there and sit there until I start writing is just the hardest thing. Staring at a blank, Um, staring at a blank word doc is the most intimidating thing. I think. Oh gosh, it is. And it's the, the way I, I write now, it's funny because now I don't have as much time. Sure. You have as much time as you, as you make time, right? That's, that's what they say. So it, it is true. But I feel like my writing is more refined, even though I don't have as much time now. Mm-hmm. And that I had more time when I was a teenager. But I look back at some of my writing and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> these little lovey-dovey scenes between I'm, the characters. I'm sure I thought this was real deep when I was in high school. <laughs> oh, nobody, please, if, if I pass away, please do not find my journals of poetry i was very big into evanescence (laughs) and lincoln park (laughs) so you can imagine i mean i can relate to that (laughs) i can relate to that i was also that was the music i listened to as well (laughs) so So, yeah i it has to be buried with me no i can't read it after i'm gone i hope i hope people just start reading journal entries at your at your funeral. They're just oh no, it. no funerals allowed. I'm gonna I'm gonna haunt you. <laughs> no, oh uh, man, I had some fan fiction as well. No one's allowed to read that either. <laughs> uh, uh, we, I I know we are kind of running a little a, a little long. Is kind of a an understatement, but uh, I just this last question. Uh, for aspiring writers, what what would you what advice would you give them to kind of inspire them to push through maybe their fear of putting something on a page? Uh, you know, people that would love to write would love to get ideas out there, and but you know, like like I said, I've been intimidated before to get ideas down, and and you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, our question was about that, so like what is some advice that you would give someone that maybe wants to write and maybe doesn't know where to start or how to, you know, face that fear of writing? So like they're, they're afraid that people would not want to read the story or that they might feel kind of silly with it. Uh, We're our own worst enemies. And I I don't know if it's Toni Morrison or, or another author who has said, if there's a story you're craving to read and it's not there it's because you haven't written it yet so think about 
think about all these works of, of literature, all these people had to overcome those fears. It wasn't an overnight thing, you know, right. like Stephen, the famous story is Stephen King had trashed Carrie and his wife found it in the wastebasket and read it. And she said, what are you doing? This is great. Yeah. I mean, the rest is history <laughs> right. with him. Even if you, even if you don't become like a, what is, what is that guy's name? Um, that mystery writer, not Dean, Dean Koontz or, or what's the, isn't there like a James something? Uh, I am like, blanking. I know I'm blanking. Like a too. thriller, I... thriller writer. <laughs> if only we uh, had a piece of technology to look it up right in front of my face. Uh, oh my gosh, I won't be able to sleep if I if I can't think of the name. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. But... I want to call. I want to say James Brown, but that is the singer. <laughs> James Patterson. James Patterson. Yeah, like it. Even if you never become that, or if that's not your goal or anything. If you have a story to tell, let it out. It, it's very cathartic to write. There are another another category that people might not think about is personal essays. I recently read Me Talk Pretty one day. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna look up I'm gonna look up Me Talk Pretty one day. I forgot. I'm old. <laughs> your, your brain is going. It is by David Sedaris, Amy Sedaris's brother. It's a collection of personal essays, and I had to put the book down. I was crying, laughing, because he was describing how he was at a party, and he he did number two, and it wouldn't flush or something <laughs> like that. Or, or, no, I'm sorry. He walked into the bathroom, and someone else had... And he was worried he was going to be blamed for it. But just his description was hilarious. Because I think we've all been in embarrassing situations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but there, yeah. Um, that's a different podcast for a different day. Yeah. <laughs> Those I, stories. I, I would be more than willing to share my embarrassing bathroom story. <laughs> but just think of think of all this great art you appreciate think of these video games think of anything you like someone had to overcome that fear to create it mm -hmm. they might never know that you appreciate it but it brings you joy and it's probably it's a personal goal to accomplish something just that feeling of accomplishment even if you self-publish and it doesn't make a New York Times bestselling list. You have let your story out in the world. It exists. You've you've created something. And that, if there's like a craft I make, sometimes I like to make wreaths. Whenever I'm done making a little wreath, that I, I want to pat myself on the back. I've made something. This is fun. I've I've used my hands, and now I have something to show for it. Yeah. Even if it's just for my personal enjoyment on my house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've I've done so many you know paintings and drawings that i don't you know i mean my wife's seen most of them but you know i have a bunch that people have never seen and, and it's just something it's kind of relaxing for me to do that kind of stuff i haven't done much in the last couple of years is you know i mean it's it's the writing thing right like i i haven't done as much as i would like to but it's still in me like when i do do it it's relaxing it's Mm -hmm. uh therapeutic in some ways it's it's but you know some of the some of the stuff people just never see and that's 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 gonna be okay right i mean you're uh you know your first 
your first book or your first short story isn't going to ever be your best one. You know, you gotta, you just gotta start somewhere, uh, you know, and even with the, this podcasting stuff, like my first podcast was atrocious, but here we are, you know, I mean, I, I tell that story a lot, but, uh, my friends, uh, at the time I didn't even know them. I had just, I had just started a Nintendo blog and I wouldn't, I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't really have anybody to do it with at the time. And so I was just like, well, I'm going to write before I start my podcast because I think, uh, people like to read stuff still and, and it can kind of be like a companion piece to the podcast that I'm going to start one day. And, uh, they invited me on their podcast to talk about what I was writing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I want a podcast. Maybe I should practice podcasting before I start a podcast. And, uh, they were very nice and we're still, you know, friends to this day, although I don't really talk to them as much as I would like, uh, you know, and, and, uh, Josh and, and Jamie, I'm sure they're, they, they listen to the shows, uh, most of the time, you know, I mean, I'm sure they don't catch every episode, but, uh, they're very, very nice people. And I'm not going to lie that episode I was on. I'm surprised they didn't just quit their podcast that day. Uh, it, was, it was, no, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It's called the life of gaming podcast. I was on episode three and then, you know, three or four months later, they invited me back on to talk about my podcasts. And by then I was way more comfortable podcasting and, and, you know, some, I mean, sometimes I still get nervous podcasting and I've been doing it for so long. So, uh, like these one these one v one shows are very intimidating to me because you know it's it's like a you get in a groove with with our other shows the normal shows where we kind of like have inside jokes and we talk about stuff that's happening in the world we're not really like learning about each other I mean we are in a roundabout way but you know actually sitting down you know with you and 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 MJ and, and John Tyler Starr and, and Delvin Cox and all these people, all these amazing people that we've interviewed over the last few months when we started this show, it's intimidating, you know, and, and Ed, Ed is obviously very, very good at that. That's what his podcast is. His optional opinion podcast is, is that he just, he, it's his solo show, but he also interviews people and, and that's what his whole thing is. And he's way more comfortable at it than I am. Uh, so like these last two nights have been very difficult for me personally because I don't do this a whole lot and interviews are kind of like you never know how they're going to go, you know, and, and especially like we've had a podcast before, but especially last night, like I had had never talked to her in person at all. And I listened to the the quiz show, uh, another Zelda podcast to try to get like a, a vibe, you know, but you never know until you start talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you probably felt that way on Nintendo Power Block, the episode that you were on a couple weeks ago, like just kind of jumping in (laughs) with, I mean, me and Ed aren't exactly the easiest people to just jump right (laughs) in after. It was fun though. I, I like seeing people passionate about things because you can see it everywhere. People are so quick to be angry. Sometimes I think there are things people want to be, they're seeking anger and there, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on in the world to be angry about, but, yeah, there's there's also so much to be happy about, and I, I can't I can't change the entire world, but I look at what what can I control? What I can't control how other people react, but I can control how I treat people. I can control how I react. I can control my my life mm-hmm. to an extent, you know. And 
there are there are there there's a time to be angry there's a time to be upset and it's justified but there's all there are also times to rejoice there's also times to appreciate to enjoy and uh, this is on a personal note, but 2019 was incredibly rough. We lost five people and um, five loved ones, including my my uh, maternal grandfather that I grew up next door to, incredibly close, like a second father to me. Watched him deteriorate, had to go into a nursing home. I was there when he took his last breath, and um, I just uh, it puts it puts a lot in perspective for you. Just I, I mean, you know. You, this is going to sound so weird. You you know that older people and everyone in your life will pass away, but you don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. until it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that sounds so cheesy, but Link, Link's Awakening, when I saw that little ghost in the remake, it was around the time my grandpa passed away and I was playing it, and the little ghost was looking over his house, mm-hmm. surveying it, and it just kind of made me think, you know, what, what happens to us? We, we don't know, so we really have to make the best of this time you you have to create don't don't be afraid to share the expert in anything was once a beginner that's one of my favorite quotes it's call it cheesy call it cliche but, but i think it, about I mean, it's cliche for a reason right like i mean yeah. a lot of cliches <laughs> are cliche for a reason right like that's 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 very true you know so nobody was born an expert you know no okay so we're we're in our 30s think about how long ago it was that we were in kindergarten just learning how to write the letter A. Right. Yeah. You know, think about classes that gave you trouble, perhaps. Think about people who gave you trouble. Think about things you were scared of in school or at any point in your life. Maybe you were afraid of being on the dance team. Maybe you were afraid of trying out for first chair in band. Maybe you were afraid of trying out for the sports team. And if you don't try, you'll never know. That It's as simple as that. If you don't do something it won't happen ever mm-hmm. people regret what they don't do more than what they choose to do mm-hmm. yeah I think. yeah another one of my favorite quotes uh i mean it's again it's cheesy and and really cliche and very uh you know <laughs> it but it it makes a lot of sense right michael jordan said you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. I mean, but, and it's so cheesy and, and, you know, when you say it out loud, it sounds lame and everything, but it's true, right? Like if you don't try, if you don't, if you don't try, you're not, you're going to miss an opportunity that you're just not going to take because you're afraid. And so, uh, I mean, I dealt with that for a long time. I'm sure you've obviously said you've been in situations like that and it's kind of, you just got to do it. You just got to go for it. And, you know, with, with writing, with podcasting, with, you know, if you want to be a photographer or an artist or, uh, uh, make movies or something, right? Like we have, if you, you know, my, if you want to make a movie, my, my one friend who I used to do this stuff with a long time ago, uh, moved out West to make movies and he's shot an entire short film on his cell phone. And, yeah and he's he's like you know kind of moving up in that industry and i'm v- very proud of him i know we haven't talked in years at this point but you know i still keep up you know even if i don't keep in touch with my friends i still keep up on what they're doing and you know that's really awesome that he gets to do that and and you know that's how he kind of got his start he we have technology literally at the palm of our hands for everything now you know, and, and, oh, yeah. 
you know, like, like I said, I was writing today on the notepad on my phone because it, that I'm not lugging my laptop to work. No, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so, some, sometimes scribbling doesn't help you understand your handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I deal with that sometimes, but yeah. It, yeah, and no one else is going to live your life for you. I mean, you can people will encourage you. The right people will encourage you and build you up, but they're not going to write that book for you. They're not going to paint that painting. They're not going to film that movie. Yeah, yeah. So just just do it. Just dive in. Just if if you have an idea, what I like for an for an idea, you just write down the idea, and then with that idea you're staring at that idea and just make little branches, make a, make a flow chart, make a, uh, outline, whatever, you know, with that idea. And that helps you kind of, if you're like trying to write a story, right? Like make an outline, make, just get those ideas on paper. And then kind of, once you see it written there, everything kind of will fall into place and you'll just have a, have a good time and you'll be proud that you're doing it. Even if you, uh, are scared. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but that's going to bring an end to this episode of 1v1. Celeste, thank you for spending the last uh, almost two hours with me. This was. Uh, oh, I enjoyed it. It was so much fun. I loved hearing your, your history and, and learning about your inspirations and, and your goals. It's, it, it, this is what life's about i think it's it's so easy to get caught in the drudgery of oh, go to work got responsibilities gotta do this mm-hmm. if you i mean what's the point if you don't have something that that you look forward to yeah yeah exactly uh and this like these as scary as these 1v1s are for me at least this is something that i you know getting to do yours as a, knowing that you were a writer was very exciting for me and and you know a lot of the ones that i've hosted have been really exciting and and um having that outlet to talk about things and and throw ideas back and forth and being inspired by people that you meet random <laughs> randomly on the internet like you know what i mean it's 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 this has been a real treat you know having you on and and you kind of being on the nintendo show whenever you can be and and that's this is this you're just a, a real treat to talk to and I'm I'm very happy you oh. got to be here tonight. I'm incredibly humbled, Corey, and you did great. It felt like a natural conversation. Don't be scared. <laughs> no, I I mean, you know, it's just kind of like that ner- stage nerves when you're got just kind of got to shake mm-hmm. it out and kind of, you know, people say break a leg, you just go out there and kind of do it, you know, once once mm-hmm. you're in it, you're you're in it. It's 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 happening. So, uh but you know, just kind of thinking about these shows the last couple of days, and, and it, it, on top of the schedule that somehow I've put myself in the last <laughs> this week is just kind of, um, you know, it's it's been a, a it, it's been a kind of a, a stressful week in terms of scheduling stuff. But just kind of sitting down and finally talking to you about writing and, and inspiring me to do more and everything. You know, I, I when I tweeted it out. I, I meant it, you know, I've, I've met you and, and MJ have been super inspiring to me this last couple of days and just kind of reinvigorating my love for writing and creating characters and worlds. And, and, you know, that's, that's what, what I'm going to do. So thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, oh. Why don't you kind of remind everybody where they can find you at if you want them to follow you? 
Oh, well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at FairyCrypt, FairyCrypt, F-A-E-R-I-E-C-R-Y-P-T. So if you like Zelda, if you like cats, if you like food, I might have something for you. <laughs> those, are, those are three very positive things in the world. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, people will follow you. Also, if you are listening or watching this episode, her links are in the description of the episode. So it'll be one click away for you to go follow her. So, uh, yeah, so you can find me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on Corey and HD on Mixer and Twitch. Uh, you can find me on a plethora of content here on Boss Rush Games. Like I said earlier, Celeste, this has been a real pleasure to talk to you tonight. And uh, I hope sometime in the near future we can do this again and uh, give people more inspiration as well. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you for making time for me. I know it's a busy week for you. Yeah, well, you know, I gotta gotta make time for people who are awesome and people deserve to hear <laughs> their voices. So, uh, I want to your thank voice too. Your voice, people deserve to hear it as well. Yeah, people have heard enough of me, I think. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, I want to thank everybody for watching and/or listening to this episode. Remember to like, subscribe, share, rate, and review our podcast. And uh, Boss Rush Games is all about playing games, but we're also about. Uh, being better so be better to your friends your peers your colleagues and everybody needs a little bit of positivity right now so uh, thank you guys for watching and until next time we love you goodbye